Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Hey, good morning again. It is. Hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this 26th of October, 2022. If you missed the first hour, you can catch it at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Let me encourage you to subscribe to Mornings with Carmen. Um, at, at least download the Faith Radio app. Here's why. Sometimes our, um, like our signals either are at low power. When I say our signals, I'm talking about those terrestrial radio towers out there. Sometimes they are at what's called low power, which means you can't actually hear it at a certain time of the day in a particular place. Um, Or, you know, they're doing maintenance on a radio tower and therefore you, for whatever reason, you know, it sounds like we're off the air. We're not off the air. We're just not coming over the airwaves where you are. So why don't you go ahead today and download the Faith Radio app so that you're totally prepared to have a way to listen in case of emergency, in case of an outage, in case of a disruption, in case, you know, I don't know, a bird flies into the radio tower because the app is pretty much always functioning. So you go to MyFaithRadio.com or you just um, go to Google Play or your Apple App Store, whatever, and um, you download the Faith Radio app. And, um, you know, you can also subscribe to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, from wherever you get your podcast. There you go. One of the cool things about that is then you will get the show notes, which is all the links to all of the things that we discuss here on the show every single day. So there you go. Um, Let's take a quick look around the world. Um, Most of these are updates on stories that we have covered recently, but some of them, um, you know, they're, they're obviously unfolding and ongoing. So let's quickly uh, visit some things happening around the world. And then one thing that's happening out of this world All right, so around the world, WNBA star Brittany Griner, who has been jailed in Russia since February on drug charges, she had her appeal of a nine-year prison sentence denied yesterday. Um, The WNBA Players Association said she is very clearly a hostage. The U.S. officials have said they expect Griner will eventually be released in a prisoner swap, but that has not yet actually been um, negotiated by the U.S. government. Diplomacy to this point has not been effective. Um, And it's official. Rishi Sunak is the new British prime minister. Um, uh, And so that's an ongoing story as well. Um, On the uh, on the Russia front. um, Russia has accused Ukraine and its allies of preparing to use an illegal, quote, dirty bomb, one laced with radioactive material. This is considered a um, false flag. conversation. And so when you hear those things, when you hear um, references to this, officials around the world are saying, look, this is this is a transparently false allegation um, being used by Russia as a pretext for escalating the war. And so let's just be praying again. I know that you feel you and I both feel like there's like little we can do on this front other than pray. But prayer is not nothing. Prayer is something. 
And prayer is powerful. And let's be uh, praying uh, the news today on that front as well. Now, quickly, from around the world to what I'm going to describe as out of this world, you will recognize the name of William Shatner. Um, you probably think of him as Captain Kirk, all right, from, um, from Star Trek, from the original Star Trek series. Well, he actually got to go actually to outer space um, last year aboard a capsule that was pilot- piloted by um, Blue Origin. And he has um, talked about his experience now in a new memoir called Boldly Go. And in it, he talks about weeping, crying out loud, um, it not being the experience that he thought it was going to be upon reflection, this deep experience of grief. And it actually has a name. Um, what, what William Shatner experienced is called the, quote, overview effect, the overview effect. And it is this cognitive and emotional shift that takes place in a person's awareness when they realize just how small the earth is. So when you see uh, the earth, when you have this heavenly perspective, is the way I as a Christian would describe it, when you see this heavenly perspective, you recognize just how small and fragile um, we are, or how small and fragile we are. And, and so I think that when we um, see articles like this, when we hear people um, articulate these kinds of things, we as Christians already have this perspective. Like we recognize how small and fragile we are. Um, And we recognize that the earth is not the center of the universe. Um, And we recognize that our perspective is is bound here in ways that um, only God, only God can can change and give us a perspective other than our own. You don't have to go to outer space like William Shatner to have the overview effect. Like you and I um, can get before the Lord our God in the way that David did or the way that Job did and consider ourselves and our smallness and God's greatness and then certainly his goodness, remembering that he's got it all in his hands. Heather Zeiger is going to join us next. She is, as you know, a freelance science writer. We're going to talk about something else going on out of this world. It's called the Pillars of Creation. Yep, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Heather Zeiger is back. You can find her at heatherzeiger.com. Heather, what are the pillars of creation? Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. Yeah, the pillars, the pillars of creation are a part of this huge nebula in the Milky Way called the Eagle Nebula. And they're called the pillars of creation because it's where stars are made. They're about 6,500 light years away from us, so they're not anywhere near us. But it's this huge collection of gas and dust. And this is where it's basically an incubator for stars. All right. So um, I think that anytime we as believers see the word creation anywhere, we, um, you know, we want to point to the origin of all things. We want to point to God. We want to point to, um, you know, God as the source of all creation. But but creation is um, this ongoing thing. I mean, that's what you're telling us, that mm-hmm. new stars are always being born. Right. Remember, um, I was looking at 
the Westminster Confession of Faith the other day. And so remember, there's secondary and primary causes. And so while God is the primary cause of creation, um, a lot of times we're, he's working in secondary causes. So this is, you know, the stuff we learn about in science. And so this is where you can learn a lot of great chemistry uh, looking at um, how stars are formed. So there's a lot of dust and clouds and gas here that come together incubate and form these stars. And so these were uh, first discovered by the Hubble telescope in 1995 and then in 2014. So a lot of people have seen these lovely pictures. Well, now the James Webb telescope has shown us using their near IR camera that the edges of these pillars are these places where it actually extracts out a star or spits it out. That's that's the really non-technical way to describe that. I mean, it's a fascinating conversation, and the pictures of it are really, really extraordinary. Um, let's also talk about measuring the universe. Um, how, how would the universe be measured by science, and um, and how would it be measured by faith? Yeah, so there is this interesting study that came out called the Pantheon Plus, and what it did was it analyzed 1,500 different supernova that are known to throughout the universe. And this, so this was a 20-year study. And what it did was it confirmed something called the Hubble tension. So back in, the, back in the 1960s, they discovered the cosmic microwave background radiation. And this was very strong evidence for the idea that the universe had a beginning, which created a lot of uh, existential crisis for some physicists who believed that matter is all there is, all there was, and all there ever will be, um, to use Carl Sagan's doxology. If, you, if you've ever seen old episodes of the cosmos, he says the universe is all there is, all there was, and all there ever will be. And this background radiation kind of uh, threw a little monkey wrench in that. Well, as much as that is great evidence for the Big Bang, there are still lots of questions about our universe. And one of those is that the universe seems to be expanding at a faster rate than it was expanding towards the beginning of the Big Bang. And yet everything we know about gravity, which there's, there's the thing, is we only know so much about gravity, but everything we know would say it should be expanding more slowly. Not only that... But if you look at supernova versus if you look at, you know, say some other, you're looking at background radiation or you're looking at this, that, or the other, that expansion rate is a little different. You're not quite getting the same numbers. So this is a big question in how our universe is expanding, what's going on. Scientists are, it's actually one area where you do see a lot of humility in scientists where they say, well, we've postulated this idea of dark energy and dark matter, but really that's just um, a stand in for these different possibilities for why our universe is expanding more quickly than we would expect it to. Yeah, so I, I think I love, I love that they supply answers like, hmm, dark energy and dark matter, which just yeah, means yeah. stuff stuff we can't stuff we can't explain, but that stuff that we can't explain must explain the things we can't explain. Like I like that. Like right. I like when you say humility, like that's what it feels like to me. 
Yeah. So this, this is uh, one area where scientists really do say, you know, I think we need to understand gravity better before we can really understand this. And, um, and I think that's, that helps promote good science. And I think as Christians, we can embrace the idea of, yeah, there's mystery in the universe. It is vast. Um, when you look at, when you look at these things and it's, there's, there's a sense of unknowable, uh, not knowing or understanding that that can, um, you brought up Job earlier and just kind of looking at the grandeur of the universe. And it can kind of remind us that, you know, this is God's universe and he is much bigger than what our minds can conceive. Not that we can't know him, but that there is so much more there. All right. We're going to um, take a brief break. When we come back, um, Heather is going to talk with us about rat man. Well, rats with human brains anyway. Um, it's an article that she has written. You can find it at mindmatters.ai. Um, you can also find it linked in the show notes for today. Rat man. I mean, what could go wrong if you put human brain cells into a rat? Yeah, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. (laughs) Okay, we're not actually talking about Ratman, but it was the most clever way we could think to segue into a conversation about um, experiments that are being done right now. Um, not, uh, these are not new. These actually reach back for some period of time. But the new part is that, um, scientists at Stanford University implanted a genetically modified human brain organoid, organoid into a rat pup's brain. All right. Heather Zeiger is here to explain all of this to us in a way that we as lay people can understand, assuring us that they are not creating a race of rat people. Sure. Yeah. So let me assure you, we are, uh, we're not going to get rat people, but this is interesting research and research that does have ethicists um, concerns. We need to have some good guardrails here. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about organoids because sometimes the media is going to call these um, brain organoids, mini brains or brains in a dish. That's not what they really are. Um, these are three-dimensional clumps of this, many of the cell types that you see in the brain. Importantly, not all of the cell types. So organoids, you can have things like kidney organoids, liver organoids, and organoids are actually a really good ethical model for looking at things like how does a how does a potential drug interact with your liver or your kidney? Organoids are made from induced pluripotent stem cells. So these are cells that are taken, say, from a donor's skin and then turned into an induced pluripotent stem cell. So then you can make a small spherical clump of cells that are found in a particular organ. So they have these brain organoids made from human cells. So brain organoids 
not inserted in rats, just in a dish, right, have been used to study developmental issues. Like they used it for Zika virus. They've used it for studying SARS-CoV-2. They've used it for studying developmental disorders. So this is this is a neat um, model. It's a neat way to study some of these things without without using human models. It's also a good alternative to using things like fetal tissue research, which fetal tissue can come from abortions. And so instead of using fetal tissue, they're using brain organoids. So as an ethicist, there's a lot of things to like about these brain organoids. However, the brain needs two things in order to develop and grow. It needs stimuli, so it needs sensory input, and you only can have that from the body. So a baby's brain grows from, um, you know, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, all of that sensory input. The brain also needs to be able to metabolize nutrients. Again, you need a body for that. So in order to get these organoids to grow, to see how they act in a body, they have inserted these brain organoids into rat pups. So these are baby rats. The idea is that as the rat grows, the human brain organoid can integrate into the rat brain and grow with it. And they were very successful at this. The way that they tested this, they they looked at, okay, um, you know, tested the whiskers and is there a sensory input there? And then they tested, okay, what if we give these organoids a virus, like a rabies virus? Does, it into, does the rat end up getting rabies? And it did. So the idea uh, was uh, they ended up successfully integrating a human brain organoid into a rat brain. Which, of course, is going to immediately lead us to the conversation about, okay, this is good for medicine, this is good for research, this is good for people, um, but, you know, it takes a long time for this to develop in the rat brain, and so what about the rat? Right. So while we're probably not going to get like human, human rats, you know, genius mice running around taking over the world. um, The question is one of like, first of all, animal cruelty. And Mm -hmm. is this experiment doing what we think it should do? And remember that um, as Christians, we do care about stewardship and we care about ethical science. Um, And so these organoids are missing important cells that are in the brain. And so there's a question of, well, what is the rat perceiving? What is it doing to the rat's brain? And we really don't know. And so is this, is this a form of cruelty? Is this a form of suffering um, that is unnecessary? And if these aren't, if these are missing some of these cells, what kind of scientific information are we getting from this? In other words, we want to make sure that we're not being frivolous with our science, but that we are doing things that will give us good information about things like medicines. All right, and I like in your article that you um, that you include a YouTube um, uh, link to Pinky and the Brain, the TV series from um, the mid nineteen nineties. Because you know, right? We can talk about things more easily if we um, if we have kind of a, a an artistic starting point. <laughs> and so, I in particular uh, appreciated that. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of Animaniacs when I was a kid, so that was fun. <laughs> All right, we have um, we have like a minute for you to help us um, on this topic about in view of Halloween. I, I think that when we um, when we think about Halloween, we don't often think about um, uh, the what a scientist might say about the presence of evil. 
Um, we tend to think about characters and caricatures, and maybe we think about what the Bible says, but more often than not, we're just um, we're just considering uh, what's happening very, very culturally. You have any anything to say, um, you know, on the scientific front in terms of the approach that we take to evil um, during the season of Halloween? Yeah, so I think a lot of times just from a science standpoint, the real question is, where does evil come from? And honestly, mm-hmm. that's a question that any any of us ask. You know, as Christians, we're at, we talk about, well, you know, is God the author of evil? As a scientist, even a non-Christian scientist, there's a question of where does evil come from? And, you know, the way you answer that can really lead to some... Um, sometimes some disturbing things. So like in the 20th century eugenics movement, the thought was that crime and evil was genetic. And so the consequences of that came out in some of our criminal justice, um, in our criminal justice system, for example, sterilizing criminals or sterilizing their children and that kind of thing. Um, As Christians, we ask the question about the problem of evil, and I think an important, we only have a little bit of time to get into a big question, but I think the important thing to remember um, is that evil is parasitic to the good. Mm. In other words, you can't talk about evil without knowing the good, even from a non-Christian standpoint. So there was a Scientific American article about evil, and they they have an impoverished definition. I, I don't think it's a complete definition, but they say evil is taking pleasure in the intentional inflicting of harm on someone else. Um, and I, I actually think evil can be expanded to say evil is the absence of good. But even in that definition, taking pleasure in the infliction of harm, you see a perversion of a good. You have to understand mm. that pleasure is a good and the evil is a perversion of the good. And so I think that when you think about any kind of evil, I mean, think about the capital vices, um, wrath is a perversion of a sense of justice, that evil is parasitic on the good. Therefore, good must be the underlying thing, underlying force, underlying power in the universe, right? So as a Christian, we would say, well, God is creator, God is sovereign, and he is good, and evil is technically subjected to him, even if he allows for it in our world. So yeah, very is, short answer that, on a very big topic. No, that is so good. I mean, all evil is ultimately subjected, um, you know, it, it, to to the power and the force of the one who created all things and is sovereign over it all. I mean, and and when we make too much of evil and we consider it too powerful, we're failing to recognize just how big and great and good God is. So I think that's um, actually really, really helpful. Heather, as always, thank you so much. What a delight to talk with you. You did use some words today that folks felt like they needed a second cup of coffee um, to uh, to engage with. So there you go. That's a, that's a compliment from our audience who says, you know, wow, those are some really big words. I needed a second cup of coffee before Heather's segment today. So there you go. Hats off, Heather. Good job. Good job. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's take a break for Breakpoint with Johnstone Street. All right. Are you like me? Do you look around your space right now, the room you're in, and say to yourself, where, where did all these piles come from? And wh- why am I, oh, every direction I look, there is something that needs to be 
sifted, sorted, put away, decluttered. We're going to talk with Shannon Atchison next. The book is The Clutter Fix. Do you need a no-fail, stress-free guide, stress, mm-hmm, stress-free guide to organizing your home? Yeah. If you're like me, um, you need to purge. We need help decluttering. Shannon's going to help us do just that. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, Shannon Atchison is here to help us. She is here to deliver us from the piles in our houses. Um, this is uh, this is just a precious uh, book and conversation. The book is The Clutter Fix. Shannon, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen. I love. I'm so excited to be here. We're we're so desperately in need of your help. <laughs> Fair. All right. So I mean, right? My my uh, my house is a mess, uh, pretty much in like every direction. I think because we own too much stuff. And when you when you have too much stuff, um, then there's no place for things that come in the front door to go. And so then they just end up in a pile or a corner or sitting on top of something. So can you talk with us about um, the clutter and what it's doing to us? This is kind of the why behind we need to simplify our home. So why do I need to do this? Um, clutter just affects your, your mood, your outlook, um, how you function in your space. I mean, God is, we are created in God's image and he is a God of order. And, um, so when things are chaotic and a disaster in our house, it's, it affects us to our core. And so, yeah, clutter just, that's, it makes us feel depressed. It makes us feel anxious. It makes us feel like our work is never done. Um, it's just a really tricky, hard thing. Yeah. So um, so now we're going to talk about the how, because Clutter Fix is really a how-to book. And hey, if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, I, I desperately need help with this, we are giving away copies today of the Clutter Fix, the no-fail ah. stress-free guide to uh, organizing your home. Yep. So you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll enter you into the drawing um, for the books we have to give away. You can also uh, contact, uh, connect with Shannon directly at her website, homemadelovely.com, homemadelovely.com, homemadelovely.com. Yeah, I love that. It's fantastic. All right, so let's talk, um, let's jump into um, a, a little bit of the how. Lots of uh, Lots of how in this book, but it starts with my organizational personality. So what is an organizational personality and how does knowing my organizational personality help me declutter? Um, so there's so there's two things. So there's a declutter or clutter personalities and organizing personalities. And your clutter personality is sort of the why you collect clutter specifically to you. So are you a, you know, a worrywart and you collect it because you think I might need that someday just in case? Or are you, you know, a bargain hunter and you buy it just because it's on sale, not because you actually need it or several other reasons. And then the organizing personalities will help you um, really figure out once you've cleared out stuff, how to then organize it in a way that works for you and anybody else that works in your house or lives in your house, sorry. And so then that will really help you. Those two things combined will help you to avoid collecting more clutter uh, going forward and then how to keep it all, all your stuff that you actually need organized in your space. 
So when I was single, um, I did not have the same challenges that I have now, um, that I live in a home that's populated by other people. Mm-hmm. And so talk with us a, a little bit about, um, you know, I want I want to fix my clutter, but I also recognize I, I'm not um, I'm not living all by myself in my space. Right. So, you know, not everyone's going to feel the same way as you do about the clutter in your house to the same degree as you do. And so the best thing you can do is to sort of one sort of lead by example, make it, you know, look after your own things and then set sort of expectations for the common areas of the house that everybody shares. You know, I have kids, they're actually grown now, they're 18, 19 and 22. And so I don't tell them how to look after their rooms anymore. We sort of did all that when they were younger. And if I don't like how their room is now, I just don't go in. Um, But when they're younger, you know, you sort of help them through it. You make it easy for them. You give them um, the tools that they need. You give them um, time. You sort of put it into a regular schedule thing. So it's not coming at them out of left field. All of a sudden you decided, oh my gosh, we have to do this all at once. And then you don't seemingly don't care again for months and months and months, right? So you know, you sort of set the tone for the house and you, you know, for the other adult in your house, presumably that you then you have a conversation and you communicate just like everything else in a relationship. You communicate with them why it's important to you and then ask them if they sort of seem reluctant to participate. Ask them really, truly to figure out what it is that they don't want, don't like about it. Are they holding on to things because they're sentimental things? They just don't like the work of it, you know, what it is, and then try and sort of work through that together and then putting systems in place so that it's much easier. Once everything has a home, it's, it is a little easier. Will you have to remind them probably to put things away? I I mean, I still do. And we've, we've lived like this for a very long time. And so, you know, it it just is, that's, that's kind of the part of being, you know, a mom and a a spouse. You do have to do reminding sometimes Um, nobody's perfect. So, yeah, so there's a lot of things you can do. It's just to not blindside them, make it easy for them, talk about it, find out what it is, and then work toward common goals. I mean, if you've got a clutter-free house, that means you don't have to spend every Saturday necessarily, you know, doing this massive cleanup because everything's gotten out of hand. Um, you can spend that time doing something fun instead, maybe, or you know, if you've got a room cleared out, you can put that big screen TV in there and watch games together or whatever it is that works for you and your house. All right. When we talk about what works for us, there, um, there, there is a very, very like personal aspect to all of this. When you talk about um, clutter personalities and organizational personalities, um, I remember when, um, you know, for the first time I lived with roommates in college, right? Mm. And yeah. that's when you discover that the way <laughs> that you grew up and were raised and or operate, particularly like in relationship to the bathroom or the kitchen, like mm-hmm. that's where then that all comes out, right? My sister, yeah. um, called it at some point she talked about my um that she and I had different um uh dirt thresholds or or <laughs> to- or different tolerances for chaos um mm-hmm. because she is literally a person who before she goes to bed every night everything in her house looks exactly like she would want it to look when she gets up in the morning right because you know like right she has this very low tolerance for chaos right. or dirt <laughs> and i'm like Huh. So um, I'm wired a little bit differently than that. And so I do. I mean, when I read that in your book, I'm like, oh, I resonate with this. I totally get this. Mm-hmm. I feel this. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk with you um, when we come back from a very brief break mm-hmm. where we can begin, like maybe just a couple of things that everybody listening could do today 
to mm-hmm. start decluttering um, our homes and our lives. Could we could we do that? Absolutely, for sure. I love that. We're talking with Shannon Atchison. The book is The Clutter Fix, the no-fail, stress-free guide to organizing your home. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. You got me singing like amen. All right. Clearly, uh, this conversation with Shannon is striking a chord. Lots of you interested in the book. I love, um, I love to see that. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. If you need the clutter fix, you can also visit directly um, and connect with Shannon online. The website is homemadelovely.com. From there, you can get on all of her socials as well. Um, Shannon, talk with us about where to begin. Are there are there some specific things that we could do today to begin decluttering? Of course, absolutely. So there's a couple of things. Um, one of them would be to check out the book. There's an there's um a long list of 120 things that you can throw away guilt free without even thinking about it. Because I know a lot of us when we start decluttering, we sort of get in the weeds and go, should I get rid of this? What if? What if? And so that list, I mean, you don't even have to think about it. There's like 120 things. If you don't have the book yet, if you go to my website, there's a list of 50 things on the website. It's sort of a starter list. Um, So those are really, really helpful to help clear out like right now. The other thing you can do is you can sort of choose a room. And if a room is too overwhelming for you, choose a drawer or a shelf and sort of just clear it out. Get rid of the things that are broken beyond repair, throw them out, um, recycle them if they're recyclable, you know, be responsible. But, you know, get rid of the things that are so obvious right now that you don't need to keep them. If there's garbage, if you've got a stack of receipts from three years ago that you, that aren't tax related, obviously, (laughs) you know, that you don't need, get rid of them. Like those things are easy to get rid of and you just have to do it. The other thing is, is to take a quick run around through your house and return things to rooms if they obviously aren't in the room they belong in. Say you've got kids toys that belong in the playroom, but they've sort of been hanging out in the living room for a while. Just put those things away. Just those things will really help to get a start and to help you feel like you can do this and you can make progress and and make your home much less full of clutter. Okay. So on your list of 120 things that I can give away mm-hmm. uh, or get rid of guilt-free, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I would just like to contest socks without mates because <laughs> aren't they coming back at some point? Isn't that, and I'm not going to find that other sock. Well, <sighs> if it's been kicking around for a while, I'll buy itself. Probably not. <laughs> I love, I don't know, I one love of my daughters this. wears, 
I love Sorry. this list, by the way. No, I love this list. Yeah. You know, people needed, we all need somewhere to start that's easy, right? We need to feel like we can make progress and build that confidence in ourselves, especially <laughs> if the clutter has been a thing for a long time. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> if you could attach the word expired, broken, or old <laughs> yeah. to the front of yeah. anything, then it is on the list of 120 things you can get rid of guilt-free today. Um, yeah. This list, actually, I think I'm going to go over with. Um, I mean, the word expired is really like helpful. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go over this list with my family because mm -hmm. I feel like in terms of, you know, in terms of saying to a kid, all right, you know what? I need you to clean out your closet or clean out your drawers or clean out your, or, you know, da, da, da. If they yeah. had a list that, you yes. know, okay, a sock without a mate, anything that, you know, has a date on it that is past, you know, that is earlier than today. Like those yeah. are helpful things because, you know, for them or if it doesn't fit anymore, if you haven't worn it in a year, I mean, you know, on and on mm -hmm. and on. So it's, it's really, really, really good. Okay. So I like that in the book, you offer us these various methods of decluttering. Now, everybody listening other than you, Shannon, knows that my word for the year is purge. Okay. So I know this wow. is 2022 and this was my year of the purge. And my friend Jessica actually came up from Atlanta and spent three days with me earlier this year helping me purge. Now we only got wow. through like three rooms, but right. it was a ma it was massively different. And, and I really need her to come back and now we need to do three more rooms, right? This is <laughs> yeah. not something that, um, so we took the, <clears throat> now that I've read your book, we took the <laughs> weekend, weekend marathon approach, right? And right. we can only do so much in a weekend marathon. You got to start somewhere. But I also <clears throat> want to commend 10 minutes a day or the 30 yeah. day whole home approach. Talk with us about various methods of decluttering and, um, you know, and give people some, you know, some sense of some ideas. And then I'd love for you to talk about this sort of what season you're in conversation, because there's also sort of seasonal decluttering in life. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few methods to declutter. Uh, I outline three of them in the book. One is sort of this 10 minutes a day where if your house isn't completely overwhelming, um, but it's cluttered and you can just take, or your, or your schedule is really, really full and you can just take 10 minutes a day and tackle a space, set a timer. So then, you know, when that 10 minutes is done and, you know, there's something about having an end to it that makes it that much easier. Um, Will it take a little bit longer, like um, days wise or whatever to get through it all? Yeah, but you're making progress little by little. And that is huge. Um, the weekend marathon is sort of if you can arrange for childcare and <laughs> if you've got kids and just have a full weekend and you plan it out, there's worksheets to plan it out, which rooms you'll tackle, um, what you'll do, even what meals you'll eat so that you're not left sort of trying to figure that out in a weekend. If you really just need to get some rooms done, um, that method's for you. If you sort of just want to tackle the whole thing and say a month, you know, we're, we're get, heading into Thanksgiving and Christmas. If you want to get it done, there's a 30-day declutter and it's listed out each day what space to tackle. So you don't even have to think about that. I've already done it for you. So, and even if you don't do it perfectly, I mean, life happens. Even if you don't do it perfectly, the the name is of the game is sort of make progress, like get better, do better, um, make your house more welcoming by getting rid of some things that you don't need. And um, yeah, and so those are really, really helpful because not a, not everyone is going to work for everyone in the same 
at the same time, right? Everyone's in a different season. And so with the seasons, there's a couple of different things. There's seasons of life. If you have little kids and your house is messier than it used to be, give yourself some grace with that. It's a season and that's just how it's going to be. Can you still make progress? Yeah. But it's not going to look the same as someone who is single, as someone who is newly married, as someone whose kids are grown. And so give yourself grace in what you expect of yourself as well and just make progress. And then the seasons, I mean, yeah, like each season, I live somewhere where there's four very, very distinct seasons. And so we have a lot of stuff. We have all the winter gear. We have all the summer stuff, the pool stuff, like all those things. And so if we don't tackle those and look at them, at least look at them as we're sort of swapping things out each season, we're going to have a lot of overlap, right? And so at the end of one season, say summer, because, you know, summer's just come to an end, um, look at your summer stuff and see what's broken, what you didn't use this year and get rid of it. And then look forward to your fall stuff and see, okay, well, I didn't, I don't like this anymore. Or, you know, we didn't use it last year and I forgot to get rid of it, or I hadn't gotten that far yet and get rid of it. And so as you're going through these things seasonally, you know, Christmas is coming as you bring out your Christmas decor, what don't you love anymore? What could you pass along and bless someone else with? Um, what's broken. So seasonally looking at your things, like sort of just being in the mindset of just giving it even just a quick look at each season is huge for keeping the clutter out of your house and, and sort of streamlining things. All right. And if you're saying to yourself as you're listening right now, okay, my challenge is the sentimental stuff, or my challenge (laughs) is the things that some other member of my family thinks we really should keep because they have a resistance to purging and getting rid of things. Um, Shannon deals with those uh, issues in the book as well. The book is The Clutter Fix. Shannon Atchison is the author. You can visit with her online at homemadelovely.com, homemadelovely.com. And if you're interested in um, entering the drawing for the copies of the book we have to give away today, text the word book to 877-933-248. Eight four, Shannon. I think we should have you back in a couple of months um, for like a checkup. That sounds great. I would love to. Yeah, because that would help yeah. me with some accountability. Okay, fair. Yeah. So you can ask me when we talk again um, <laughs> which method I employed and how I'm mm-hmm. doing on the maintain, maintain, maintain. Because that's the conversation <laughs> we didn't get to today that I think right. we're going to need to have. Right. Yes, that's Is important that fair? too, for sure. Yeah, right. absolutely. All right, Shannon, what a delight. Thank you so much. The Clutter Fix. You can find uh, Shannon and connect with her and the book at homemadelovely.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. This is a new day. Everything's bursting with hope. Coming alive this moment, moment. You are my people. You are my people, evidenced by the fact that so many of you are texting in for this particular book. All right, so I I feel not alone in the world. That clutter is a challenge for you as well. We don't want to be a people, right, who are dominated by our stuff. And yet, you know, our stuff sometimes totally dominates us. So thank you. I mean, I... I feel more connected with you than ever this morning that um, that you really resonated with the challenge of clutter and that you want a clutter fix. Um, so do I. So thank you. Good to hear from each and every one of you this morning. All right. As we turn to um, face the day that is before us, let's recognize that God has prepared in advance good works for each one of us to do. God, That's what scripture says, that God has prepared in advance 
good works for each one of us to do. And God has given us everything that's necessary for the accomplishing of his will, which means that you and I have what we need to do the good that God has prepared for us to do today. So if you feel like you're walking into darkness, God has given you light. If you feel like you're walking into um, a a challenging um, conversation or issue at work, God has already given you the very peace that passes all understanding. He's given you his Holy Spirit. Um, He's given you every spiritual resource that's necessary for the accomplishing accomplishing of his will in and through you. You have what you need. You have what you need to face the challenges of this day and to be a blessing to others, to be a conduit of God's goodness, grace, and mercy. People don't need another piece of our mind. They need the very piece of the mind of Christ. And you and I are sent into the world to deliver it. Let's be ambassadors of the King and the Kingdom today. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.